So this morning we're going to get into um, a very, um, for me anyway, a very deep doctrine. You know, we've, we've just come out of justification and what that means, and really that carries throughout, of course, the whole, the whole letter that Paul wrote, but another deep, deep, deep theological truth that we're going to look at today. And uh, I was joking with somebody, you know, about teaching Galatians and and he, he said, yeah, I've never really taught Galatians. I said, well, I hadn't either. And I kind of smiled. And he said, what? And I said, well, if I'd have had any sense, I'd have looked at it a little further before I chose it. Because there's some really deep stuff in here. But it's been so enriching to me as as we've walked through this. It's really helped me and to understand um, what we're going to talk about today in particular. But... Um, I wanted to ask you all a question, and like the last couple of weeks, I need participation or we're going to get done really early, but that's okay too if we do, but I want to start with a question. As far as a Christian is concerned, has the penalty of the law already been carried out? And we would all say yes, right? Absolutely, right? And how has it been carried out? In Christ, Jesus, right? So start to think of the implications of that. We're just talking about evangelism. We're talking about, you know, every one thing is true of all of us. We're all going to die. We're all going to come before the judgment uh, of, of God. And, and yet here we're saying that this judgment has been satisfied, right? And so much so that we could say that when Christ died, Paul died also, right? At least as far as the law was concerned. Um, he died to the law in the, in, in the death of his substitute, Jesus Christ. And if you just stop and think about that for a minute, to me, that is a, is a very, very, very profound truth. And, of course, we see Paul teach that in Romans as well, right? That, um, you know, he's, he was died with Christ, buried with Christ, resurrected with Christ. But, but this came first, right? And, and I always, in this letter to the Galatians, I have to keep reminding myself we're still in the section here where he is t- writing to the church in Galatia, but he is re- he's, he's reviewing his time in Antioch with Peter and the Judaizers. I keep wanting to be stuck over there on that side thinking that this is what's going on, but no, he's writing this to the Galatians here. So for you in your mind, um, what does it mean to you that you were... W- when Paul says that that I died with Christ, what does he really mean? Uh, when he died to the law, right? Matter of fact, well, yeah. So, what do you think? You know, like in, in particularly, I think Romans says it a little clearer. I don't remember the verse. It's in chapter six, but you know, what what does that mean? Because I mean, I'm still here. Paul was still there. So, what did he mean? He died. He died to the law, but now he's alive. So, what does that really mean? Practically, for you and I, as we walk through our days. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so who's the old self? I mean, this is 70 years old, so what is that? Right? Pardon? Your flesh. Okay, what does that mean? I mean, that's right, but what do we mean by that? Fleshly appetite? All right. Then, you know, as we can get into, do you ever have the why questions then? If that's really true, if the old Tim, and when we say that, we're talking about who we were in Adam, right? 
when we were born, who we are, until we're what? John 3, born again, right? And uh, <clears throat> I know that um, you all have heard me say this a lot before, but those words born again, I grew up Catholic, but the words born again, growing up in Sandy Springs, everybody was Baptist except us, it seemed like, and the little clan my parents ran around with. But all my friends growing up were Baptist, and um, mostly uh, and they always talked about being born again. I mean, they'd be smoking weed and drinking beer with me, but they'd be talking about being born again, right? So, you know, I, I used to think, what in the world are they talking about? And so much so to where then completely out of church from, or even away from those people um, from age 17 on, as I, or I guess 18 as I got married and went in the military and, you know, then there was nothing until I was 38 and we found ourselves in a Baptist church and we heard the words again. And I elbowed Kit and said, there's those Baptist words again. They said, born again. And she said, I know. <laughs> and it's like, but, uh, I mean, what does that mean? You know, and, and I, I just, I struggled immensely with that because here I still was the same guy. So what does it mean, right? How, how could Paul say the old Paul died, the Romans 6, 6, <clears throat> and now he's been raised to newness of life? And that's true of us as well. So just think about that as we go through this, because this ties together so beautifully with that. But the fact that Paul could say that he died um, to the law in what Christ did, there's the thing. We didn't really die. That's the whole point, right? Again, this is showing us how intricately involved the Lord is in this whole thing of, of salvation or justification, salvation, glorification, sanctification, and all those things. It's all Him, right? Because we were spiritually dead, Scripture tells us in Ephesians 2, so we can't do diddly squat because we're dead. You know, and when I've tried to explain this to people to some degree, um, you know, we've we've all been to a funeral and 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 seeing somebody dead and that person we say they're physically dead why because they can't respond to any physical stimuli well the same thing's true of us right in in our spiritual lives we're spiritually dead and we can't respond to spiritual stimuli so um we have um a problem there. God has to awaken us, and that's what comes through the born again. So Paul says all this happened to where in Galatians two nineteen b he can say, so that I might live to God. Right? That's the purpose. So that I might live to God. Now look at Romans six eleven. Somebody read that, and then somebody read Romans fourteen seven. So there it is, alive to God. Right now, somebody the. Uh, Fourteen seven. So who who do we live and die for? Christ, right? Now listen to Second Corinthians five fourteen and fifteen. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this: that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Isn't that awesome? So this is all God doing this, right? And that's what Paul's talking about, so that I might live to God. So what's meant by living for God? What are some practical examples? 
I think I'll throw out the negative one first that's pretty obvious, that we are no longer living for ourselves. Okay, so what does it mean if we're not if if living for God means we're no long living no longer living for ourselves, that means that we're living for who? For God, right? For Jesus. So but what does that mean practically today? How do how do we walk out of church at one o'clock and live for God today? Okay, that, that's what we're going to get to in verse 20, right? But, but for right now, today, practically speaking, what can you and I do when we walk out of here to live for God? Amen. Obey Him, all right? Love, love and serve others. Yeah, to love and serve. That's the first and greatest commandment, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's living for His glory, right? And uh, is it First Corinthians ten thirty one? Whether whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's what we set our minds to. Do we fail? Yes, right. But I like to break it down for me even a little bit simpler. Perhaps is that think think of it this way: everything we do starts where everything in our in our hearts, right? In our thinking, in our heart. Right, so when when we say thinking, we're talking about our hearts, and Jesus teaches us that, right? And you know, our heart, our mind—that's all the same thing. So everything starts in our thinking. Then, what does our thinking then affects our feelings, right? And then our feelings drive our actions. So if we can take and correct our thinking off of self, off of the flesh, and think about God then we're going to feel a different way and we're going to act a different way. Um, so that's what Paul talks about in um, taking your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, right? And, and we we got to get ourselves out of there. And that's, you know, when you're talking to yourself or somebody else, um, you know, that's where we got to zero in on right is is what are you thinking why are you thinking that you know and then go from there um i said talking to yourself do do y'all ever talk to yourself yeah i do do you remember mr barker at ridgeview high school he slung me out of the room in my chair in my desk hit the wall on the other side of the room because um i was a smart aleck i should probably i ought to turn the microphone off on this one but um, um, he said that if you talk to yourself, I don't remember, what did he teach? Well, it, it wouldn't have been industrial arts. I wasn't in that. <laughs> uh, did he teach a science class, maybe? Possible. I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> he, uh, he made the comment, if you talk to yourself, is there something wrong with, mentally with you? And I raised my hand. He called on me. I said, so you mean to tell me, I don't, why do I remember these things? This is, that's even weirder. But um, I said, you mean to tell me if you're repairing something on the side of your house and you hit your thumb with the hammer, you just go on with it? You don't scream or holler or anything? And, and he, got mad. he turned blood red and grabbed my chair and slung me out in the hall. But I talk to myself, okay? I do. I just have a conversation with me. Why are you so evil? What are you thinking? Change that, right? Think about God, because when we're thinking about God, what are we not thinking about? Self, right? And you see that over and over and over again, particularly in the Psalms, right? 
Oh, woe is me. Oh, until I entered the sanctuary. You know, then, well, you know, you're looking at God. And when we're focused on God rather than self, then our feelings are going to be good and our actions are going to be even better, right? So that's kind of how I go through of, of uh, no longer living for self. <clears throat> Problem is I can't seem to get it to go for more than a couple minutes and then I have to do it again, right? So as believers, the law is no longer our master. That's a good way of looking at it, right? And who else is no longer our master as a believer? That beckon, he, he beckoned and we gave in before, right? Sin, right? The devil, the flesh, that three-pronged enemy. And, and we don't have to do that. We're free from any claim of sin in our lives. We're free <clears throat> from any claim of the law in our lives. So when we you know, come into relationship with Christ, then we're free from those things because we're in this new intimate relationship with, with God. And we're placed in with that into a spiritual union with God. Somebody read, and this is where we're going to get into the spiritual union, uh, verse 20, Galatians 2.20. Okay, so this is Christ who lives in me, right? This is the doctrine of the union. And um, Chris and I said we could just get Randy to come up and teach this class because this is Randy's life's verse. Uh, mine, uh, you know, this isn't been mine. It's a great verse, but I've had a different. This is his. If you've ever gotten an email from Randy, you've seen this verse, right? It's there, and I, I always appreciated that because every email I get from him is there, and I get to reiterate that to my my brain. So, this is when I said at the beginning that this is a profound doctrine. I mean, to me, it is anyway. Justification was. Really, really profound. And here we are, just a couple verses later, back to a very profound thing. And and the reason I believe that Paul is doing this is because um, he he has been so radically changed. I have to keep reeling back to that. And Chris has helped me understand that, that how absolutely 180 degrees in the opposite direction this new thinking of Paul's really is. I mean, just think if somebody came in, well, it would take God as it did for us to be born again to begin with. But just think if if God gave us some new revelation today, which he won't because it's not in his word. But just imagine for a minute that that he did. Now, everything you believed is turned upside down. I mean, you would be hammering these things out just like Paul is here. And it's helped me to step back and realize what he really was going through with this. So this union uh, with Christ. And my wife um, <clears throat> got a book in December called Unlimited Grace by Brian Chapel, and, and just so happens there were some really good uh, parts of the book on this, this particular verse or this whole idea of being united to the Son. So we're going to just walk through a few of these and... Uh, talk about them as we go so would somebody like to read that slide there from brian chapel's book i mean those are some profound thoughts are they not look at number two again all human defects that marred our identity have been covered by christ i mean just think of that you know so i a lot of times john was talking about evangelism and a lot of times in when I'm talking to somebody in evangelism, I use the, this covered by Christ, our, our, our 
sins have been covered by Christ. I use an illustration of if I'm in the city downtown Atlanta, it works really well because you're around all these tall buildings, right? And I'll say to the person, look at that skyscraper there. Yeah, and I said, just imagine that's your sin wall in heaven. And all of us have one. We all have a sin wall in heaven. And and I always throw in, you know, the font on mine would be really small because of all my sins. But there they are. You're standing before God the Father. You're dead. You're standing before God the Father. He he asks you, you know, the question, why should I let you into heaven? And and you say, what, what, what? And, and he looks over and there's your sin wall. All of your sins, you know, from you when you were a little baby to right now are written there. If he sees those sins, I always start it with a trick question of how many sins will God allow into heaven? And the answer, of course, is none. And so then what do we do? There's that massive sin wall. What do we do? Well, you know, I let them go on with, you know, if they can articulate it well, then we're on the right path. But, you know, usually that's not going to happen. And and so we go on to this, that our lives are hidden in Christ. So God, if we're born again, then the blood of Christ is covered that. And all the Father sees is the blood of Christ. That's the union. That's how much has been covered by Christ. That's huge, is it not? I mean, it's huge. That ought to cause us to walk in a different manner. Um, I'm going to change the slide. I don't want to block Nina's picture. Though. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, did it switch? There we go. All right, so again from Brian Chapel. Somebody read this one. Okay, look at some of the truths there. That's kind of what we were talking about before. We're no longer controlled by ungodly priorities. Do we have ungodly priorities? Yes, they come in there. They creep in, but that's not what's controlling us any longer, right? We have the ability to resist sin and pursue God's priorities. So if we've got that that ability then why do, I, why do I sin? What do you think? The ability's there. We're in union with Christ. Pardon? Lack of faith. Lack of faith. What else? We live in a fallen world. But can I blame the fallen world on it? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What else? That you choose to. I hate that. Don't you? I hate that. I've got the ability to not, and yet I do. I hate that thought, but that's where I am because this flesh is still creeping around here, right? But then he he says that the same, the last sentence, because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now indwells us, we have Christ's power to aid our resolve and conquer our sin. Hallelujah, right? This is something that um, when I am counseling somebody that struggles with addictions and they perhaps have a, a, an AA background or an NA background or a whatever A background, you know, the first step in that program is that is hi, I'm Tim. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, and I admit my, that my life is is unmanageable and I'm powerless over. How's it? I can't remember. Anyway, that I'm powerless. 
uh, over alcohol and drugs, you know. And that's, that's a lie if you're born again, right? Because the Spirit of God lives in us. We're in union with Christ. He is in us. That, that's a profound thought to me. So I have in me, this is, this is really self-condemning if you think about it, because I have within me the power to not sin. The power that God said, let there be light, and boom, the sun was in the sky. That's in me. And yet I still turn around and sin. My wife and I met with a couple this week, and um, <clears throat> they were both saying they couldn't help, you know, and well, then, do you have the Spirit, right? I mean, because we either do or we don't, and we either have the power or we don't, right? Now, you can remember perhaps before you were saved that, um, you know, that um, how you didn't even think twice about sinning, right? But now, what happens when we sin? Hopefully, we're, we're convicted. Did you read the second one as well yet? Okay. Read that one too. No, well, that yeah, I was thinking of Second Corinthians five seventeen, right? Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Why is he new? Because God's in him now. He's new now because of Galatians two twenty, right? So now we've got uh, John MacArthur's uh, biblical doctrine, a systematic summary of Bible truth, and uh, these are a little longer, so. I hope you all don't mind us going through this like this. It just helps me to see what other people are saying about this union in Christ and what it really means. So if somebody will read that slide. And that Christ lives in us, Galatians 2.20. All right, think about that. So intimately identified with him and he with them that scripture says that we are united. So what... What impacts your thinking when you think about that? Anything? I have two reactions, but I'll let you all go first. Well, I don't want to sin because Christ is... I I share... My sin shares with him the dwelling in me. Yeah, great. Think about that now. Unpack that. We're dragging God down there with us, right? When we do that. So that ought to be a motivator, shouldn't it? Just out of pure, what? Love for what he's done. You know, that I don't want to drag him down. You know, have you ever thought that if he really were sitting right next to you on the couch at home, would you fill in the blank? You know, and I would say, no way. But what happens? You get a little cozy. Maybe he's looking over that way right now and he's not going to. Right? Don't we? I guarantee you sooner or later, whether he was right next to us or not, we're going we're gonna to succumb. But we don't have to. That's the key. But when we do, then, and we, we repent and confess and repent and turn, you know, then the joy that fills our hearts is, is abundant. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's right. It's a. Wouldn't it be easier 
if if it just happened automatically, wouldn't it? You know, we're we're the joystick people now. God controls us. We never make a wrong decision. We never go the wrong way. We never have a wrong thought. We're just automatically always doing good. But I think the problem with that is there's no glory for God in that, right? The glory comes when we obey. Then he gets glory. Yes, ma'am. You can. So what have we what have we just done when we do that? Yeah, I'm telling you, that's it. Goes back every time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the fleshing out of that. That's right. Because you know, if you've got kids, you put the candy bar down there and tell them don't touch it, and leave the room. You've seen those. Well, I have to watch it on videos now. I don't have any little ones anymore. But right, I mean. You see that? I mean, so when you're constantly focused on that, that, that's when you're swirling, right? That's why that thinking has to change to focus on Christ. So like you're saying that we become a slave to the righteousness. We're always thinking about him, not thinking about the, you know, the whatever that keeps drawing me back. Um, that, that's great. Um, That whole concept. Well, it gets back to the justification that we covered, you know, for the last few lessons. And of we are justified. Why? Not because we didn't sin, but because of what we're talking about now, being in union with Christ. Right? That that's the only, only, only way we're justified is because of what he's done. And that's what he's hammering home to the Galatians is that they have reverted, remember, back to this thinking now that, oh, we got to get back under the law. we got to get back focusing on doing right instead of wrong. Um, and and it's, it's a hard concept to understand that, you know, that this is all a work of God in justifying us, right? It's his blood that made it a finished work. Not anything we've done, but I'm telling you, Christianity gets really narrow when you think of it's all God in his work. We all want to do, right? And John talking about the street evangelism, 99 out of 100 people you ask, they all say, well, I'm getting there because I, because I, because I, fill in the blank, right? But, you know, when it's you're relying on the union that we have in Christ because of what he did. Then we've died to the law and the law is no longer bearing over us to make us acceptable because it never could make us acceptable. So I I don't know if that helps answer that or not. No, okay. (laughs) It was 50 minutes ago, I think. Uh No, no, because the forgiveness in Christ, we are forgiven for every sin, past, present, and future. That's what makes it so profound. Unless it's a free will baptism. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, we, that's what that's what makes this whole thing so profound. Is that, and and that thought ought to drive us to our knees, 
When you think that the Son of God, the one that was sitting in glory, the angels flying around had to cover their faces because he was so glorious, that, that he came and kicked around on this dusty, nasty, dirty earth, was spit on, crucified, right? All of that for just one of our little old sins, right? That should cause us to be so eternally grateful that all we can do is worship him, right? It ought to cause us to crawl in a little hole somewhere and hide, right? Yeah, and follow him. Yeah, don't you want to serve that guy that did that? So. Yeah. Yeah, because in our eyes it certainly would be, would it not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Does that help? The. Yeah, well, that's what Paul was facing right here. Uh, have you ever, well, I probably shouldn't say the name but because uh, he's on the hot seat right now, but Alistair Begg has a uh, little quip that he does in, at some one conference around, I don't know when it, when it is, but it pops up on social media every now and again where he's talking about the thief on the cross and he gets to heaven. Have you all ever seen that? It's, it's fantastic. It's about three minutes long. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, everybody gets to heaven, you know, and everybody says, well, what did you do to get here? I don't know. I don't even know where it is I am, you know. And he said, well, what are you doing here? I, I don't know. All I know is that guy that was hanging next to me told me he'd see me here, right? Something of that nature. And I think about that. That's how we're getting there, right? Because of him, because he died. So, uh, Quentin, you had something to Toyota. Get the Toyota. There is nothing, there is, there is no comparison, and it's hard to assimilate. It's just human nature. It's hard to assimilate the grace. Yeah. It's hard to remove ourselves. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. There is a tension because you, repentance is necessary, but it's not a cause, it's an effect. And but at the same time, if you focus to. I no longer judge anyone according to the flesh. I only judge myself. And I think that is important in the sense of like saying you can also think that you're doing well mm-hmm. or you're doing terrible. Either way, you're yeah. still making it about your own. That's right. Yeah. Everything always, when we get off the rails, it's all pointing back at us, right? Instead of to God. Um, yeah. Did you have one more thing? To- Apostle Paul describes exactly what is being said in Romans chapter 17. And he says, For I delight in the law of God, but in my inner being, or you, 
uh, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin which dwells in my, dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, full of wilderness of this mm-hmm. body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And we see this verse number one of chapter eight.
I was trying to come up with something that on just it was on the spot. Didn't know this, this was going to happen, and 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 you know, and what a profound thought that is. You know, you tell somebody of another faith like that. You know what? God lives in me. You're Allah. Yeah, He's in here, right? I mean, not really, because that's not the same. But you get my point. You know, that God the Father. You know, through the Spirit. You know, we are indwelt with God. So the impacts of that on my life. I mean, it should be profound, right? Um, and it, and that being profound should then flesh out in my walk with God, right? So if you understand the struggle like we've been talking about here this morning, it makes you want to be with the Lord more and more. So therefore we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? Come back and rescue us from this. So we'll pick up next week. Uh, there's one verse left in chapter 2 and then we'll We'll uh, look at that and and move past that. So, uh, any final thoughts? To pardon? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They wouldn't. That would make them hate us even more. I'll, well, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your time.